Imagine you walk into a room and you look and see a dinner table with a beautiful tablecloth, nice place settings with fine china and silverware, beautiful candles lit, beautifully folded napkins. Everything just looks wonderful. But you see a crumb, a big nasty breadcrumb sitting right at the table. It's the only thing you can look at. You have laser-like focus on this breadcrumb. Now, even if you weren't responsible in setting the table, maybe even if it wasn't your table to sit at for dinner, you're probably going to go and you're just going to pinch that crumb and chuck it in the bin. It's just too much to let it... It's such a beautiful sight. you got to get rid of that crumb. Now imagine you walk into a room and... It's the same dinner table, but it's a total mess. All the all the plates have been eaten off of, and there's food. I mean, there's crumbs all over the table. There's it's just a mess. It looks like you know the romper room came and had had a meal there and then left. And that same crumb is in the that was on the other beautiful pristine table. That same crumb is on this table in the exact same spot. But of course, you don't see it. Because the whole table's fucked, right? <laughs> You're certainly not going to pick up that crumb or anything else. You're just going to be like, oh, fuck this table. I'm getting out of here. It's the same crumb in the same place. But the contrast is totally different. On the first table, that crumb is all you could see. On the second table, that crumb is impossible to see. What I have just described to you is weapons-grade persuasion. And it's happening now, all around you. It's all you can see. What you are seeing now is something that has never been done before. It is our president, Donald Trump, opening a geyser of outrage and just spraying it everywhere. That is what you're seeing now. This is not how things are normally done. Normally, a president will do one big thing in a week, maybe not even once a week, maybe every two weeks, something big, right? And the media will have laser-like focus on it. Whether they like it for being good or they dislike it for being bad, they're going to focus all their attention on it, pick it apart, parse out the possibilities. They will concentrate all of their focus on that one thing because when the president does something, that's important. In the less than a week that Trump has been president, he's doing, he's just doing a ton of shit. Executive orders, press conferences, interviews, he is just opening up a geyser. Now, whether or not you, okay, if you like it, fine. Let's think about the people who don't like it because there are, as everyone knows, there are, there is a huge portion of the population who is going to hate everything that Trump does? There are things that Trump is doing that if a different person was doing them, if, if, if Hillary or, or anyone else was doing them, they would like it just fine or, or whatever. But anything that Trump does is going to be criticized by these people. That's fine. I probably would have been one of those people if Hillary got elected. I'd probably hate, I, uh, I, I'm not 
I'm not so naive naive to think that I'm not susceptible to this this kind of thinking. I I hate Hillary Clinton so much that if she was elected, I would probably hate everything that she did, even if she did something that under someone else I would like, right? So there are those people out there. They are a given. They are a constant for now. So rather than just do things one at a time and let the media focus on any one of those things, Trump has opened up a geyser of outrage. And all and there is there's no contrast. There's there's no way for anyone to focus on any one of those ideas because as soon as you look at something and you start thinking about it, there's something new on the same day. And he doesn't even stop when the workday. So I mean, he's doing it day and night all the time. He is putting stuff out there and making people go nuts. Everyone is losing their mind but not about any one thing, about everything. And when the next day comes, they can't even remember what they were outraged about the day before. So by doing this, it basically just creates a cloud of outrage. Nobody can really even focus on any of these things. Even if you like them, there's too much. There's just, you know, as far as I'm concerned, too much winning, slow down. I just want to, I want to soak in every win and then go on to the next. But no, I, I can't because there's too much. What he's doing is actually physically exhausting. And I mean that literally. It is physically exhausting. We have never seen this kind of persuasion weaponized in this way. This is really unprecedented. And unless you're paying really close attention, which is really hard, you're going to miss it. Now that you understand what he's doing and how he's doing it, Take a moment. Just go ahead. Open up your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever. Open it up and just start scrolling and watch and see outrage again and again and again. Nothing specific, just anger, desperation, and exhaustion. Now come in my time machine and fast forward a couple of weeks into the future where people will be thinking back about some of the things that Trump did during his first week, or maybe not, maybe they'll be just onto the next outrage, but if you do think back to his first week and all the things that he did, there won't be any focus on any one thing. There was just so much. Whether you like it or not, the impression that everyone will have will be the same. And that is, boy, he sure did get a lot done. Hey, look at this. Look what I got over here. The bottle of red pills. Crack it open. Take one. Swallow it. Come with me. Down the rabbit hole. Welcome to ClickBang. Good evening, everybody. Are we tired of winning yet? Yes, I'm going 
that's all I got. Thursday, January 26th, 48 fun-loving degrees in the city of New York, WBBL. Where to start? Everybody's talking about so much stuff, right? So much stuff going on. Well, we'll talk about some of that. But before we talk about what everybody's talking about, we're going to talk about what nobody's talking about. And I'm glad that nobody's talking about this. Nobody is talking about Black Lives Matter. And that's a good thing. It's been over a month, right? When was the last time you saw him make a headline? It's almost like they don't exist anymore. Even as the left doubles and triples down on social justice, Even in that lunacy, the left has finally, as I've been urging for months and months, has finally come to grips with the fact that this movement, this Black Lives Matter movement, is toxic. And they have no more platform. And that is good for everyone. It's the best for the left, really, honestly. It's it's better for them than anybody. But it's Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean... The more they do what they do, the more cops get killed and the more roads get blocked and the more things get smashed and looted and rioted. You know, so, you know, maybe it's not the best, but it's very good for the left that they have ditched this toxic, racist supremacy, this racist supremacy movement and kicked it to the gutter where it belongs. I hadn't seen a headline in him so long, you know, just before. I wasn't even going to talk about this. And, you know, just before, you know, you had this women's march and then you had the uh, the anti-fascist the day before and you had all this stuff, right? And I just thought to myself, it just dawned on me. I said, wait a minute. You had these two days where these, you know, two very different events, these very, very different types of protests got national headlines, international headlines. Thought to myself, wait, wait, wait a minute. Where was Black Lives Matter in all this? Maybe I missed them. So I went and I just did a search for news. I encourage you to do the same thing. Do a, do a search for news on Black Lives Matter. It's barren. There's nothing. There's really nothing there. Here's what I, I did find a couple of things. <laughs> They're fucking hilarious. Here's a article I read. And, and, and here's why. Here's why they're nowhere. It's because there is still a lot of money out there coming from Soros and others funding these social justice movements. Now, Soros may be ideologically bankrupt, but he is not bankrupt in terms of money, and he is not stupid. And he saw what happened when he gave that money to Black Lives Matter going way back into the summer and before when the election cycle was in full swing. It was a disaster. It was terrible for the left. The fact that Hillary Clinton courted these people and met with them, at, at, and it was terrible for her. Everybody who was looking at this movement and what they were doing came to the very logical conclusion that these people are fucking A, crazy, B, violent, and C, 
racists. They are as much, there is, I'm not saying there's no difference between them and the KKK, but it's a difference of degree, not of kind. They are, they are a racist supremacy movement. Full stop. When you, when they would do these, uh, you know, these protests and stuff and organize, it was very common for them to say, white people to the back. I mean, come on. I mean, listen, if you, if you, if you just take what's, what anybody is saying, right, and you flip the races. So, you know, for example, if it's a Black Lives Matter protest and they say, okay, all the white people go to the back, you are the white last people to talk and you're the last people to be seen. If you just flip that and flip black and white and suddenly you think it becomes very racist, um, one, that means you don't understand what racism is, but two, you should know that everybody else does. Any thinking person knows that people that prioritize race the way they do is toxic. And it was toxic. Did it lose Hillary Clinton the election? No, it didn't help, though. It it really hurt her. So it's no wonder that you don't see these people anymore because the money dried up. The people who were giving the money to these people to make some noise said, okay, everybody gets money except you because you motherfuckers are crazy and violent. So goodbye. So I did find this article in the Washington Times, which I can't help but just laugh the whole way through. Here's the title, obviously, um, linked to the articles in the uh, the the notes underneath uh, wherever you're listening to this on. Title, Black Lives Matter Resentful of Peaceful Women's March Against Trump. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. Some civil rights activists and supporters of Black Lives Matter movement resent the success of the anti-Trump women's march on Washington, taking offense to the favorable press and praise heaped on a general on a generally peaceful event that resulted in zero arrests while wondering where the millions of women and their supporters were during race-based protests over the years. Well, you know what? Where they were, dipshit, they were with you until you told them to get to the fucking back of the line when you told them to sit down and shut up and that you can't talk because your privilege isn't good enough because you're not high enough on the fucking progressive stack. Now, the feminists are going to deal with this also, and they already have been, but there was no group more flagrant about flaunting the progressive stack more and intersectional intersectionality and identity politics. Black Lives Matter, they ran with it more than anybody else. And now you're fucked. Now I have to figure out because this person that's quoted throughout most of this article is I-J-E-O-M-A. I am going to go out on a limb and say that's Ioma. Okay, so Ioma Oulo, editor, what are the chances that's a real name? Doesn't matter. Uh, editor at large of feminist website, The Establishment, said the reason no one was arrested was what was that the marchers were primarily white women. So, okay, I get what she's trying to say with that, She's trying to say that, you know, the cops aren't going to arrest white women. Um, you know, the, the day before, there was plenty of arrests made. And mostly white people, because most of this anti, uh, Antifa group are white people. And they happen to be violent as fuck. And uh, I think there was like 250, 300 people arrested, something like that. Yeah, th- no, they, they were arrested because they were violent. They were smashing things. They were causing mayhem. Uh, the reason why... 
that nobody was arrested during the Women's March protest was because it was almost exclusively peaceful. I don't, I didn't see any videos of anyone being violent. No, they weren't arrested because they weren't violent and they weren't violent because you weren't there. If Black Lives Matter got their little cash infusion to be at the Women's March, I guarantee there would have been problems. Nobody was arrested because you weren't there. Quote, to brag that no one was arrested at a march that was filled with white women, which, by the way, she's right about. This was a, you know, overwhelmingly a white women march. I mean, that was most of the people. Sure, there were men there. Sure, there were people of color there. But overwhelmingly, it was white women. It just was. Look at the pictures. Look at the videos. Overwhelmingly white women. Not a bad thing. Not a good thing. Just was. To brag that no one was arrested at a march that was filled with white women as if that is an accomplishment that you really had a huge part of, what it does is it says that marches that were branded as disruptive are less than. No, they were branded as disruptive because they were disruptive and violent. This is not difficult to understand. When you are peaceful, today, I'm not saying in, 19, in 1963, no, today, when you have a peaceful protest, the cops will not bother you. When you start blocking entrances to highways, when you start, you know, actually blocking ambulances trying to take people away, when you start smashing shit up, the police are going to arrest you. This isn't hard to understand. Your group is violent. Can I categorize everyone in Black Lives Matter as violent? No, because they're not. All I know is anytime you motherfuckers show up, shit gets broken. People's lives are massively disrupted. You throw shit at the cops. Sometimes they get injured. And sometimes they die. Yes, your movement is directly responsible for the death of many police officers. That's why nobody likes you. That's why everyone is done with you. You were given free reign. You were put on a moral pedestal by people in the highest position of power and authority in this country, and you proceeded to shit yourself. And then, after you were done rolling in your own excrement, you wiped it over everything that you touched. Literally, everything you touch turns to shit. So guess what? Now your money's gone. You were bad. And now you've had your allowance taken away. And people are done with you. You fucking child. Back to the article. The tone and tenor of the women's marches, which were attended by millions in cities around the world on Saturday, stood in stark contrast to the presidential inauguration protests on Friday, where more than 200 people were arrested and six officers were injured in the nation's capital alone. While Inauguration Day demonstrations turned violent, forcing police officers outfitted in riot gear to use pepper spray and stun grenades to disperse crowds, several pictures on social media showed women's marchers and police officers wearing pink knitted beanies with cat ears, known as the pussy hat, and taking selfies together. The truth is, we are all fighting for very important things, but only certain people get to march down the street and not have to worry about violence from police officers, Mrs. Ululu said. No, anybody can do that. You just 
can't be violent, which is all you guys ever seem to do once you come out in public and start walking together. So this is a great victory for the left. The left should be ecstatic about this, that Black Lives Matter is now totally insignificant. They can't even get a headline except to say, we're really mad about this successful women's march. That's all they have left. Do you remember over the summer when Black Lives Matter had lots of Soros money and they were out on the streets fucking shit up every weekend and during the weeks too? Your Facebook feed, all all you could see is Black Lives Matter. It was everywhere. When was the last time you saw Black Lives Matter pretty much anything in your Facebook feed? It's, they're gone. They're done. Good. This is, listen, I didn't expect to start my show this way. I'm stuck. I think everyone should give a round of applause to the left for purging one of the most toxic ideologies of social justice from their side. Standing slow clap. Congratulations to the left for kicking this trash to the curb where it belongs. Goodbye, Black Lives Matter. Nobody wants you. Nobody needs you. Goodbye. Now, will they be back? Probably in some way. Uh, These events were just too important to include them in because of the chances that they'd be extremely disruptive. Will they be back? Only time will tell. They're not happy right now. I mean, what that woman said in that article... There's a lot of people in Black Lives Matter who are pissed for exactly the same reasons that they're they're pissed that this Women's March protest, which I'll have a lot to say about, was peaceful, successful, and overall very well-received by the media. They're pissed. Because all they can remember is every time we did anything, you know, people shat on us. Well, yeah, that's because you're violent thugs and you're racists, okay? Now, parts of their message are still and there is evidence of this, their message, which is and, and which is strongly based on identity politics, their message is still in parts of that women's might that that women's march. Yeah, it was definitely still in there. But minus the violence. It seems like the only way you could do that was to alienate you. So they'll be will they be back? They're gonna try. I don't see how they're gonna get the money to do what they want what they need to do. I don't know who's gonna give it to them. They'll try. We'll see. When they come back, I'll be there to remind everybody that it's only a matter of time before this ends in violence, bloodshed, and more racial division. Because that's all they do. Bye, Felicia. So speaking of... So, speaking of the Women's March protest. Now, this is something that you know, there was a lot of backlash, mostly from Trump supporters, people on the right. I have no problem with this at all. I thought it was great. And I'll tell you, let me tell you why. Listen, they don't like Trump. They're angry. It's their right to go out and protest about it. And honestly, if you're going to be totally peaceful and nothing is, I mean, how can you, you know, you can't be against it from that perspective. It's, this is their constitutional right. Go ahead. Nothing bad happened. Listen, as long as you keep Black Lives Matter away from your events, 
go for it. You know, I don't, I don't mind at all. Right. They had him there. They had him in, in New York, you know, did not affect me at all. Now I did at one point have to get a pair of, uh, I had to get batteries for my flashlight. And when I went up first Avenue, literally every bodega was out of double A's and C cells. But other than that, it did not affect my life at all in any way. So that's, that's fine. Listen, go for it. The other thing is, I mean, you kind of have to laugh at it a little bit. I mean, listen, here's a, before I get to that, here's the productive part of this rally, right? Yes, it's a social justice thing. And this is like a big deal for the feminists, right? Here's the thing. Here's why it was good. Because the radical feminists are really, they really are a small part of women, you know, most women don't even identify as feminists. And the ones that do, honestly, most of them are not batshit crazy. They're a little crazy, but the radical feminists, the real men haters, the real, you know, kill all men people, you know, they're fucking batshit. And while, yeah, you saw them because they have the craziest signs and they have the craziest costumes and they're generally the fattest and most disgusting. So you see them a lot because obviously the media is going to take pictures of freaks, right? So you saw them a lot, but you didn't, I mean, overall, they weren't really out there. And it was one of those times where this really was, you, this really was a woman's event. I mean, there was, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of women who are really unhappy about Trump. I get it, Right. But those super crazy radical feminists, usually when they go out and protest, it's just them. And they just kind of like amplify their own craziness, you know? And in this kind of an event, they're all out there. Now, this gives them a chance to get their crazy out. Okay, so they go out, they yell, and they scream. And that gets the crazy out, right? It lets... It lets it gets the poison out of their system for a little bit, and that makes life better for everybody, at least for a little while. Now, the rest of the women who are mad too, you know, they're crazy too. N not, you know, not not as bad as the, the radical feminists, but they, listen, they've been, uh, there's been quite a bit of brainwashing going on with this whole election. They, many of them have been brainwashed into thinking that Trump is going to take everything that is sacred away from them, and that's not true. But, Along with that, they do have some legitimate concerns about abortion, et cetera. Not delegitimizing that. Anyway, they have some crazy pent up too, right? This event was great for them to get the crazy out too, and that makes everybody's life better who has, who's, you know, actually in relationships with these people. So that's good. And it also makes it so that the super crazy radical feminists they are actually, you know, for the first time, they're actually around normal people, normal women. And they can see, you know, firsthand how they can, you know, how they should probably emulate these normal people a little bit. Because when you do, look, hey, all of a sudden people are actually paying some attention to your protest and like not just treating you like the crazy freak that you are, you know. It, it 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 causes the radical feminists to to assimilate to be like more like normal women you know so this is valuable so that's why overall i was you know overall very in favor 
of the Women's March. Gets the crazy out, assimilates the fucking total psycho bitches, and, uh, well, here's the here's what I would have been okay with, but it just didn't happen. If you want to, I, I mean, this was, so, I mean, how could you have a better opportunity to get your message out? Like, what what's, like, really important to you, right? So you've got this huge international spotlight on what you're doing. And if you were to ask 10 people who are supportive of this or, or were even a part of it, you know, what are the three most important things? Now, I would think, although I've seen, you know, interviews where they ask people and they don't mention abortion. Anyway, I would think that abortion is like a huge thing for the, for, for, for women. And I, and I get that, that I understand. So that would be one, but that's already baked in. Everybody knows that's the top priority for, for most women who are on the left is abortion. That's already baked in. We already knew that. So we're looking to learn something new. What are your other issues? What is important to you? What are you marching for today? If you asked 20 people, you would get, for, for three reasons, you would get that there would be hardly any overlap. On the news, what, what made the news? What were the other issues that were discussed? There's no congruency at all. I think if you asked anyone for a list of five things, they wouldn't be able to make it to number five. There's no message. Literally no message. Beyond abortion, after that, there's no message. There's nothing. And this was a huge missed opportunity. And, you know, part of this is, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but social justice ruins everything. This this march was really corrupted in a major way by social justice. The one right thing they did, they kicked Black Lives Matter to the curb. Good move. Everything else, they it became this, like, this intersectional clusterfuck where you had all of these these different women's groups vying for mic time vying for for camera time all with different issues you had the ones that you know the, the is the the islamic woman who's uh, you know in new york and is part of a radical organization so she she needs to be a part of this then you have to get this one and that one and transgender and this and that um, th that's someone else who was mad about the women's march so the the transgender group however small they are that was a part of this put out some very nasty comments about how they were upset about women walking around in vagina costumes because, well, they don't have a vagina. They're men, but they say they're women, so they're alienated. You know, obviously for them, I don't think abortion's a big issue for them for some reason. Anyway, there's just, when you have all, when you have this intersectional clusterfuck, no cohesive message gets out there. Even abortion really didn't get out there front and center. It was just really... The one thing that got out there is we hate Trump and that's fine. But at the end of the day, when you're protesting, you have to at least expect that people are going to be waiting to hear what do you want? And I could not tell you what they want. I know they want safe and legal abortion. We already knew that. What else do you want? I have no idea. And I pay attention to this, you know, probably way more than anyone else who identifies as being, you know, right of center. Which I don't, but still, I paid attention. I'm, I'm listening for a message. Where was it? What is it? Listen, if you know what it is, tell me. 
sad. I mean, hey, listen, overall, like I said, great success. Crazy bitches get the crazy out. Smart enough to keep Black Lives Matter, you know, a hundred mile radius away from wherever they were. Great job. And since you didn't put out a message, I don't really have to think about anything on what to do other than mention that you didn't. So honestly, I feel that these women's marches should be planned to happen once, at least every three months. I mean, just do it like that, you know? Get everyone together. It lets all the women get together in one spot and get the crazy out. And just, I mean, if it seemed like they all felt really good about what they were doing, feel good about themselves. Great. I mean, everyone on the right should encourage this. You know? It would be fantastic. Um, my favorite thing about the march is their hats. I love those hats. They're I think they're called the pink pussy hats or the pink pussy cat hats. They're supposed to, they're pink and they have little pointy ears. I believe it's supposed to be a pussy cat, pink pussy cat hat, pussy hat, whatever. I think they're great because they are totally unpersuasive. They, as, as far as getting men to come on with your, with your cause, whatever it is, when you can figure out what it, what it is, tell me, but it just, it lowers testosterone. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that from a scientific perspective. First of all, the color pink lowers testosterone. There's a very good reason why Donald Trump chose Make America Great Again on a bright red hat. Color is persuasive. Color is influential. It is a part of our, our we are very, very visual people. For any of you who are not readers, of Scott Adams' blog, he wrote a great piece on this called "Battle of Battle of the Hats." Um, here on on side on for, on on the first side, you have Trump's hat. Clear message. Everyone knows exactly what it is and can personalize that message in some way for themselves. And it's a bright red, bold hat. On the other side, you have a pink pussycat hat, which is frankly weak and very low testosterone. Or any men who would put one on or look at one. It just doesn't work. And there's no message either. What's the message? You love cats? We already knew that. Anyway, I I say more women's protest march for the benefit of society. And then finally, uh, obviously the inauguration day protests were not nearly as... Uh, peaceful and well-received as the Women's Day uh, the day after. Oh, and you know what? The Women's Day March, they were very smart to not schedule that protest on a Sunday because that would have been, that would have interfered with football. They did it on Saturday. It was a lazy Saturday. People chilling out. Nobody's life was really affected. Now, you do that on a Sunday, you're going to have problems. I understand the football season is done, but when... Uh, just for the for the future, whenever women decide to do their march, just like they did this time, be sure to not do it on the day of any important sporting event. As a matter of fact, I can tell you right now, you should schedule one 
definitely right now during the All-Star break, the baseball All-Star break, because that is, uh, those are the only days there is, there is no, there's no professional sports in America during the All-Star break. Those are the only, that's the only stretch of days where there's literally no professional sports going on. Do your women's march on that day. We will have no problem with that. We all have something to look at. You get the crazy out. You don't fuck with our sports. Everyone's happy. Now you know how to do it. Seems like you already did. I wish I could say the uh, protests on Inauguration Day went smoothly. They obviously didn't. Um, It could have been a lot worse. And it probably looks a little worse than it actually was. But then again, I wasn't there. Speaking of which, there's been much to do, much said about the much lower turnout for Trump's inauguration. I can tell you this right now. Uh, Yes, it was a lower turnout. And it's because everyone knew this was going to happen. I mean, what part of the uh, a big reason why the turnout was lower? Because everyone knew it was going to be violent that day. Why was I not there? That was the reason. Listen, my entire life, and I've been super politically active my my whole adult life, and then even you know before I was technically legally an adult, right? Been super political. I have never once ever had a president that I was happy about you know, going into their, their term. Didn't like Bill Clinton. Definitely. Well, before that, actually, it was, I started to be, no, I started to be um politically active and stuff. I didn't like the first George Bush. That was when I was in high school. Didn't like him. Didn't like Bill Clinton at all. Did not like George Bush the second at all. He was probably my least favorite of the bunch. Didn't like Obama at all. This is the first, the first time I've ever been excited about, a pre- and the first time I've ever supported a, a, a presidential candidate who's actually won. I would have loved to be there. I would have gotten down there in a second if I thought that it would be peaceful. No, I didn't go down there, which I would have loved to do because I'm afraid of fucking Antifa. I'm afraid of these fucking crazy anti-fascists who are the real fascists. When you're shutting down free speech, when you're attacking people for sharing their views, no matter how good or despicable they may be, no, you're the fucking fascist. Anyway, I knew they were going to be there. Everyone knew they were going to be there. Everyone knew it was going to be violent. And people don't want to travel with their families down to an inauguration when you know there's pretty much a guarantee there's going to be violence. Anyway, that's sad. But um, these Antifa protests and whoever else is a part of this nonsense. They're not all Antifa's. There's all, all different kinds of crazy groups, whatever. doesn't matter. It could have been a lot worse. I know that James O'Keefe is a pretty controversial figure. And mm, I, I, I think he thinks he's a lot more influential than he is, but the crazy people watch his videos, the violent anarchists and anti-fascists, they watch his videos more than anyone. Because you don't want to be the one that he unco- that he uncovers in one of his videos because then everyone knows who you are and they rely on anonymity to do their violence and all the other things they do. And he did uncover a, just not many of them, but a, a, enough, and they had some pretty violent plans. And now they're famous, at least within their little clique and people who hate them. Um, I think it was enough. They, they clearly had some plans to disrupt... Um, you know, inauguration 
ball events, whether they be official or unofficial, and the DC Metro Transit system. They definitely had plans to really fuck with the city. And if you just go to their, you know, their official accounts, they said we're going to shut down DC. They didn't really do that. They fell far short of it. And I and I really do think that James O'Keefe had a lot to do with that because he uncovered a couple of them and showed what they were planning. Arrests have been made, so it's enough that the that the authorities looked deeply into these people and actually made arrests. So I think they just stuck to to smashing up Starbucks. You know, I think um, in general, you know, some of what he does really needs to be taken with a grain of salt. In this case, it really doesn't matter. I think those videos that he put out scared them enough into not fucking with mass transit and not, you know, trying to put butric acid into ventilation systems or whatever else they had planned, which he didn't uncover. They probably had second thoughts about it. And they stuck to just smashing up Starbucks and lighting trash cans on fire and just being generally, you know, disruptive. So I think he really does, you know, I I I I I definitely give him a big thumbs up for this. I think it was really just a net positive for public safety. I think it's good. I don't have much else to say about the inauguration day except that Trump's speech was brilliant. It was, I mean, if you haven't listened to it in full, you should. You should, um, if you don't immediately realize it when listening to the speech, this is not a conservative speech at all. There are conservative elements, but they are in the minority. This is a populist speech. And that's most of what I'm going to be talking about for the rest of the episode is there is, a, there is good and bad in populism. Um, but that's what that speech was all about. It was not about conservative values. It was not about liberty. It was not about libertarian values. It was about populism. You were forgotten. You will not be forgotten. I will fight for you. He's talking to some very specific people there. He is talking to the people who carried him in the swing states. His focus as president, because of the way our system works, is going to be delivering to those people who elected him. That is not necessarily a good way to govern. It is a good way to get elected. I'm not saying that's all he's going to do, but listen. Yes, he won in an electoral landslide. Yes, you don't need the popular vote to win. But you better believe he knows. He said some very specific things to people in Pennsylvania and Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin. He has to deliver. And how hard is that going to be? It's not going to be very hard. I mean, if, if those are his primary go goals, and they ought to be if he wants to get reelected, it's not going to be difficult for him to do. He will do that. And that's not necessarily a great thing for the nation. This is the system we have. He knows what he has to do. Another thing, and this was, you know, a part of my predictions that I made in the last episode. Another thing he's going to do, he is going to go very aggressively. And he's already started it. You could see with what he's starting with. Um, he's talking a lot about Chicago and the massive violence who 99% of the time it is black on black violence in Chicago, the murder and the shootings, they are off the charts. 
the police are have handcuffed themselves with this. Um, and he's saying, you know, do something or else I'm sending the feds in. Now, you kind of can't do that. You kind of got to be invited. But he's starting up. The, he's, he's starting. He's pacing with that. Trump knows very well that the Democratic Party relies heavily on the black vote to get elected in major elections. Part of the reason why Hillary lost was because she did not energize that voting base. That voting base was super energized for Obama. It's not that they voted for Trump, it's that they did not come out and vote for her. What if Trump could somehow energize them? And he did in a certain respect. He got more black voters than Romney. He, you know, so he did in a certain respect, not not a, not a lot, but every little bit makes a big difference because the Democrats heavily rely on that voting block to win national elections. What if he could get, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a large amount, like 3% would be huge. And the Democrats, they, they can't win without them. You better believe he is going to go heavy and deep. And a lot of this is going to be Ben Carson, you know, but he's going to go really heavy into the worst areas, the inner cities. And he is going to generally try to make things better. Um, you can speculate whether it's because he loves these people and he wants to make that. that that's you, you could say he, he wants to do that or he doesn't. You might think he's a racist or not. None of that matters. He's going to do it. He's going to do everything he can to make those areas better, safer, more prosperous. Because why? Because if he does that, he's going to flip voters. He's going to flip black voters, plain and simple. If black people see, and with Trump, everything is visual. He doesn't do anything without a visual. This whole wall thing, it's a visual. I'll go into that in a minute. But they're going to see it. And if it produces results... They're going to notice it's going to work. Speaking of the wall, um, yeah, like I said, everything's visual. The wall's going to happen. How big is it going to be? Big enough to have a picture. That's all, that's all it has to be. All it has to be is for a photo op with a very wide shot where all you see is the wall. And that is pretty much the only part of it that's going to be a wall. This is not something, to, you know, I know keep, Trump keeps saying this is to keep people out and keep the drugs out and all that. First of all, it will not work for the, for the for drugs. We have these places all over America now with walls on the outside, walls on the inside, bars on every cell, right? These prisons, these prisons have more drugs than anywhere. So if you can't keep drugs out of a prison, a place that is literally just literally hundreds of walls. That's what a prison is. It's walls. You're allowed to go. Th it's the most, it, it, there's no better example of walls than a prison. If you can't keep drugs out of that, you can't keep drugs over um, interna international border. It's just impossible. I mean, I, whatever. I mean, we'll see. But as far as the immigration, like it's not even, it's just a part, it's just a visual uh, right now, you know, Mexico, people who are thinking about illegally immigrating to this country, it doesn't seem like a great deal anymore to them. 
at this point still. And they, they don't feel welcome. Before, they felt welcome. You had Obama and you had all these, you know, these very, they knew before any of us did that these sanctu- you could just go to a sanctuary city and the chances of you being deported are like zero. If you can make it to LA, if you can make it to New York, where, if you can make it to any basically big city, like you're just um, in any blue state, you're just never going to run the risk of being deported. Now they see that going away. I mean, Trump is, I mean, he's, he's hitting harder. That's another executive order. That's another thing he's doing, the sanctuary city stuff, which is, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a good idea. Of course it's a good idea. I mean, he doesn't have to pass a law for this. These are all laws that have been on the books forever. He's just saying, enforce the law. If you don't, I take your money. There will be, I don't know what city will crack first. It, it won't be Chicago. Definitely won't be New York. De Blasio is way too stupid to actually negotiate his way out of this. It'll, I don't know, it'll probably be, I don't know, some smaller city somewhere. But they'll crack. Trump will heap praise on them. And the rest, he'll have to make an example out of someone. I imagine it will be de Blasio. Because, mostly because de Blasio is the dumbest. Uh, he has no chance in a war of negotiation and persuasion against Trump. De Blasio is already unbelievably unpopular in New York. So... I'll have a front and center seat for that. That should be interesting. So I'm I'm recording this uh, <laughs> pretty late at night, actually, on uh, on Wednesday night. But I'll, I'll you know by the time you're listening to this, it'll be Thursday or later. So by the time you're listening to this, you have probably already seen something that I have not seen yet, which is Trump's. Uh, you know, he's going to have a a ban on immigration from certain countries. Now, keep in mind, think about this. Where did this start? This is this started one day. Trump made a uh, he had a press conference and he said, "I'm going to shut down all immigration, all Muslim immigration until we can." I don't remember the exact quote, but you remember, "I'm going to shut down all Muslim immigration until we can figure out what's going on." Okay, so that was the pacing, and then there was the leading, and this softened up until the point we're at today, which I don't know where it is because I haven't seen the release yet, but it is something. It's going to be something along the lines where it's going to be um, affecting, most likely, uh, visa holders from Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. That is the list I have seen so far. Now, this list is too short. I do not know why Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Nigeria are not on this list because those are massive exporters of terror. It is a good start. I mean, if you just just look at one of the, uh, two of these countries, right? Libya and Somalia. Particularly Somalia is basically it, it is it, it's barely even a state. They have no real government. Right? How on earth and and a massive amount of terrorism, right? Tons of fucking wacko shit going on there, right? How could you accept immigration from a country like that? How would it even be possible to do any vetting? You have no state to communicate with. It's a, it's a, it's a total failed state and Libya is not far off. How could you accept people from countries like that under any circumstances? I mean, if you're ISIS, where would you send people to get in here? You'd go there. You don't have to worry about the government, like worrying about who these people are. There is no government basically. 
That's where you'd go. And the rest of the countries are big problems too. So listen, here, here's the way. And this is, this is what I reckon I have in the replay notes, something that I encourage you to copy and paste though. Once you do, it's yours, not mine. Because I see these conversations on social media coming up all the time. Oh, he's so racist. He's, it's a racist Muslim ban. Here's my reply to that. And you're free to use it and modify it and do whatever you want with it. Just once you do, it's yours. not It's you, not me. Okay? Although you'll probably see me posting this as well. Um, immigration is a government program. Duh, right? Government programs exist for the benefit of the citizens of that country, not for the benefit of other country's citizens. The goal of any government program should be to benefit the citizens of that country. I don't believe, it's amazing I even have to say that when I hear it out loud, it sounds like, how could people not realize this? But it seems like nobody gets that. Like, yeah, of course. No, we should we should just take in people from wherever. Why? How does that benefit us? What if it doesn't benefit us? Well, this is how the left does everything. They don't put anything results. No, they don't they don't put it in any kind of results related way. No, it's just always framed in a moral perspective that it's the right thing to do. That's all you have to say. It's the right thing to do. Nobody they generally don't expect and people generally don't say the right thing for who? If accepting immigrants from a certain country is working out well, we should do it more. If it isn't, we should do it less or stop. No thinking person believes that the net benefit to American citizens is the same when comparing immigration from different countries. And that's because our soil is not magic. For example, let's take Somalia and South Korea. Let's say, on the one hand, we were to take in, just to pick a round number, 100,000, whatever you want to call them, migrants, refugees, whatever, just 100,000 people from Somalia, okay? And now you would look over time at how that worked out. How many of these people became productive members of society? How many of these people ended up on welfare? How many of these people ended up being violent? How many of these people ended up being peaceful? Just look at what happens. 100,000 of them. Look after five years, see what the results are. That's experiment A. Experiment B is you take 100,000 people from South Korea and compare the two groups after five years. Find me one person who believes that the results are going to be the same. One person who says they'll, the groups are on average will do just as well There'll be just as much crime from both groups. There'll be just as much productivity, just as much welfare recipients. Everything will be the same. Nobody believes that. And that right there tells you all you need to know about immigration. Sometimes it is good for us and sometimes it is bad. If it's bad, don't do it or do it a lot less. If it's good, do it more. This is not hard to understand. Immigration is a government program. Therefore, it should benefit us, the people, the American citizens. 
This is not an opportunity for people to virtue signal. No, it is an opportunity to make our country better through immigration. And if it's making it worse, that needs to change. There is a continuum of risk and benefit associated with immigration from different countries. We have data collected over decades that tells us what is safer and what results in more prosperity for the country, that is, for American citizens. Immigration from some countries has resulted in a boon for the U.S. economy. Immigration from other countries has been a drain on the economy. Nobody disputes this. There are significant differences in the results. We, the American people, the American citizens, get to choose who comes here. We should choose to accept the immigrants who help the citizens of this country the most and what places U.S. citizens at the least risk. Most people treat this issue emotionally. There is no need for that. Just do it by the numbers using objective criteria. The question to ask is very simple. Has immigration from blank country helped or hurt the safety and prosperity of the United States in the long run? Policy should follow accordingly. And that's it. Like I said, Trump's list is too short. As I started this episode with, I started by saying, good job, the left, whoever decided this, getting rid of Black Lives Matter. But social justice is still in basically every other movement and every other, and still the whole intersectionality is being doubled and tripled down on by, I'm not saying all of the left. There are still, there are people on the left who see this as the lunacy and the toxicity as it is. But it seems like all the important people, and by important people, I mean the people who are powerful in the Democratic Party, the people who can get on TV, the people who have voices, the loudest voices, the most prominent voices, the most, the largest platforms. I don't see many of them saying, hey, maybe we should back away from the social justice stuff. For example, the DNC has to have a new chair, right? They've had some, the last two have been real winners. Donna Brazile, she got busted for leaking uh, debate questions to, uh, to Hillary Clinton. Yeah, she was a real winner. And before that, Debbie Washman Schultz, who conspired to cheat against Bernie Sanders, which she did and which worked. So you're, the bar is really, really low for this position. The last two have been total losers, mostly because they got caught. I guess if they got away with it, now that I think about it, if they got away with it, then they would have been awesome. <laughs> but they got caught, so they're total fucking disgrace. So there's uh, this uh, this town hall or something where a bunch of these DNC chair candidates, right? Here's one of them, and this was you see it with a lot of a lot of these. It's, it's the same shit. I mean, hers was just one of the most poignant examples. Who is this lunatic, Sally uh, Boynton Brown? who is in charge of the Democratic Party of her state. It's not like she's just some crazy cat person with a blog. No, she is already in charge of the Democratic Party for a state. So it's like she's, it's not like she's a nobody. And she wants the job. And here's what she has to say. Listen to her. It makes me sad that we're even having that conversation. And that tells me that white leaders in our party have failed. We have to accept 
that there is prejudice that exists within our own party, and we have to be able to have that conversation. We cannot sweep that under the rug. We cannot continue to hide it. We cannot smash voices down when they are trying to scream, listen to me, you don't get it. Okay, can't remember that. We can't smash voices down. Okay, remember that. I'm a white woman, I don't get it. I am pleased and honored to be here today to have the conversation. I am so excited that we're here and I am listening because that's my job. My job is to listen to the issues. Okay. My job is to listen and be a voice. Right. And my job is to shut other white people down when they want to interrupt. Wait, what? What? My job is to shut other white people down when they want to say, oh no, I'm not prejudiced. I'm a Democrat. I'm accepting. My job is to make sure that they get that they have privilege and until we shut our mouths and we listen to those people who don't and we lift our people up. So this is supposed to get voter working class white voters, you know, all the ones that voted for Obama and then flipped to, to, uh, to Trump. This is your message. Shut up. It's your job as basically like the leader of the DNC to tell these people to shut up because you're white. How'd that work out for you last time? Yeah. That family who's, you know, eating fucking macaroni and cheese and corn out of a can wondering when they're going to be able to have a job next, wondering how they could ever afford to send their kid to school, that family, that mother and father, they listened to the likes of you plenty for a long time, hearing about their white privilege. Yeah. They got fucking tired of it. Their white privilege wasn't getting them a decent meal. Their white pri privilege wasn't getting them a good job. All it did, this, this white, this magical white privilege, all it gave them was a target on their back to have fucking crazy social justice warriors like you, who apparently is in charge of a whole state's Democratic Party, and maybe, you know, if people like her enough, she'll be in charge of the whole Democratic Party. All it did was give them the right to shit on you. Go ahead. Get behind people like this. Get behind social justice. 2018 is going to be a fucking... You think, you think this election was a rude awakening? Wait for 2018. Wait to see what happens. See, here's something else nobody's really talking about. And this is something, honestly, I want to avoid. Right now, the Republicans are in, they're in more power than they've ever been before. I mean, the, the, or, and to, to be more, more exact about that, because there, there, there is more, there are differences between Republicans, you know, not, 
that's that's not important right now. The Democrats are in less power now than they have been probably since who knows the 1820s. I mean the uh, the 1880s, the 1870s. I don't I don't know. I mean it's fucking bad, right? They don't have the House. They don't have the Senate. They don't have the state legislators. They don't have the executive branch. And they're about to lose the Supreme Court. Okay? It's it's bad. If it keeps going this way, it's going to get to the point. Now, we're not there yet. But we're getting really close to the point where they're going to lose so many of the state capitals, so many of the state legislators, uh, le- legislatures, that we're going to get to that 75% magic number where the Republicans are going to start being able to amend the Constitution with really no resistance. Keep in mind, the president is the, is the they are not involved. The president, the, the executive branch is not involved in any way, shape, or form, in making amendments to the Constitution. He is literally not involved at all. He could say nice things or bad things, but he's not involved in the process. It's all about the Congress and or the state legislators. The process can go two different ways. Look it up. Look look up. It's in Article 5 if if you want. But there gets to be a point where if you get to a 75% magic number, the Republicans will be able to do whatever they want. And I'm not even talking about Congress. I'm talking about the state legislators. Who even knows who these people are? I know who some of the ones in my state are. Looking across the... And nobody's paying attention to this, right? They are going to be able to amend the Constitution any way they want. And I don't want that. Because some of these motherfuckers are crazy. Women like this will make that happen. The Republicans are have enough power now. I don't want them to just be able to take out a clean sheet of paper, write a constitutional amendment, and literally it just flies through. You realize that that can happen and that we're moving towards that. I don't want that. I think the Constitution's pretty good the way it is. I don't know what they have ideas about. I want, if you want those laws... Do it for your state. Do it for your county. Whatever. Do your do your crazy Republican stuff locally so I don't have to be a part of it. And, you know, and the people there don't want to be a part of it. They could just move to another state, right? Once you start amending the Constitution, now you're fucking with my life. And I don't trust you. So I beg you, you are on the left. Do not support social justice whack jobs like, whatever the fuck her name is crazy pants over here so that we all have equity in this country so that we are all fighting alongside each other so that we are all on the same page and we clearly get where we're going we're not going to break through this where are you going it sounds like everything you said every where we're going is fuck whitey that's all i hear from you What exactly is your agenda except abdication? That's all I hear. This is not just rhetoric. This is life or death. This For who? 
moment in our country, the Democratic Party has the opportunity to do something different. We have the opportunity to really confront the fact that we have not been in alignment with our values. We've been talking a lot of smack. Cultural appropriation of language. We need to make sure that our actions and our words and our values all match. And around the issue of race, we are so far out of alignment, I don't even know the way back. But I am listening and I am asking and I am talking to people. I just don't see. I suppose if you're just like in a, in a, just a state of complete denial and just com complete confusion as to what happened in that election, it's, it's pretty simple. Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, okay? All the voters who are white, working-class voters who voted for Obama voted for Trump. This is demonstrably provable. This isn't hard to understand. This will not work. You're just going to go, just going to be more blue states that are going to flip is all that's going to happen. I don't know what, the, you know, Hillary won a, a few states that weren't New York or California or the other New England states. I guess, what, she must have won uh, New Mexico? Yeah, say goodbye to New Mexico. Bye, New Mexico. What else? Chicago? If Trump's actually able to get black people behind him in Chicago and you have a loon like this, you might actually lose Illinois. Can you imagine? The Democrat Party is doomed unless you purge social justice. Plain and simple. There's no two ways about it. Good job. You got rid of Black Lives Matter. Although it sounds like this lady wants to bring him back. I don't know. You made a really, really good first step if that sticks. Distract the feminists with cats. And as for the rest of them, I don't know. I don't know what the, just call it out when you see it. Anytime you are, you, anytime you see someone making an argument, anytime you see someone, and this is, this is probably something you see like on a daily basis. You ever see someone, you know, when people are arguing on social media, which is pretty much all that, that that's pretty much the only thing that happens now. Um, when someone starts something with, as a woman, I, blah, 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 as a person of color, as a member of the LGBT community, as a Muslim, as a whatever, fill in the blank. Just stop them right there. When someone leads into an argument by listing their identity as a credential, you know what that means? It means their argument wasn't good enough to stand alone on its own. See through it. And as someone who isn't a fucking idiot, tell them it doesn't work on you. Is the thing you're talking about true or not? That's what matters. Whoever you are doesn't. Identity politics is shit. The fact that you use it means your argument is shit. I'm not interested in anything that you have to say and no. I will not buy a pencil from your cup. You can just fuck right off. Come back to me when you have an argument that stands on its own.
and then we'll maybe uh, talk about it next time on ClickBang. Thanks for listening. Good night.